Welcome along to the Craigie Rugby Podcast. Uh, we're laughing here. It's uh, June, and I almost said it's the post-game section of the podcast, and I, I think I was kind of caught between Galway Mayo and the last comic game in Northampton. It's beyond the post-game. It's the summer podcast. It was in this very venue, the Westwood Hotel, that we were here last year, a few days after, uh, maybe or maybe no more than a week after the Pro 12 victory. Different times. And what this podcast is about, right from the start, before I introduce our guys, is the copper, copper fasten. Is that right? Bookend? That's what I'm looking for. Bookend the season. But more importantly, and specifically really on this podcast, folks, bookend the Pat Lamb era. In the last couple of weeks, you'll have heard our own release, a really, really superb interview between Lindley and William with Pat Lamb that I think you'll have got a lot of detail from and I hope you enjoyed. If you haven't, I suggest you press pause on this, go back and listen to that and come back to us. Everyone else is still with us. And uh, as well as that, in the last few weeks, we know there's been a fallout from that interview as well. Uh, we'll be talking about some of the articles around that. Welcoming into the podcast, Lindy McKenzie. Afternoon, Rob. It's good to have you along. William Davis. Hello. There he is. And Alan Dickens. Hi, Rob. Uh, it's good to be here, Dave Finn. Uh, what's the word? Apologies from Dave Finn. Yes, uh, busy man this afternoon, so uh, he, I'm sure he has lots of things he wants to add in. Get on Twitter, he'll chime on afterwards and have loads of extra opinions. But okay, let's get stuck into this, lads. And Alan, I mean, we, we called this podcast because we, we really want to just, just kind of have one podcast that kind of solidly wraps up the Pat Lamb era and wraps up some of the fallout from that interview as well. Oh, yeah, people have to remember that, you know, I, I think a lot of people feel that he, he did a great job, which he did. You know, the, the stats back it up. You know, before Pat Lamb came in, Connacht had something like a 28 winning, 28% winning success rate with, with Pat Lamb. It's up at, um, overall, he's got a 46%, 47% winning success ratio. Um, so, like, he's, he's made a big difference to Connacht and where they are. And even this season, which people look and say, oh, no, he fell away, but it's still better than the average season that we've had. So, you know, he's, he's left a hell of a legacy. There's five guys over with Ireland at the moment playing for Ireland. We didn't have that four or five years ago. Um, huge legacy. And I would add, there's one guy playing for the Lions who... Uh, really developed and, and his lines cap a lot of it is based almost 90% of it is based as far as I'm concerned on what he was doing with Connacht and what he came through so I think there's plenty to be super proud of just to back that up which takes us kind of to the exit and William maybe you can just kind of frame this and how this how we're going to chat over the next couple of minutes because to start with it's the interview but there's a big part of the interview as well and um, we could maybe even tee up to a little a couple of clips that we'll add into this uh, that's led to a lot of articles and a lot of talk and it was Pat Lamb trying to really detail and outline why it is he's leaving Yeah I think the whole issue right back from the, when the announcement was made was this six months uh, clause and how that played out the fact that either side of this contract IRFU on one side Pat Lamb on the other are able to give six months notice to vacate their uh, situation and he obviously did that by signing for Bristol um, I think he was very conflicted about the decision he had to make I think that was pretty obvious all the way along I think he found living and working here to be excellent he really enjoyed it he got an understanding of the place and it's not the easiest place in the world sometimes coming in as an outsider to actually figure out uh, what it's about Uh, I'm here 44 years and I'm still learning but that really was what I think he wanted to explain and I think for the first time 
he put it into his words what he felt and why he found it such a difficult decision and why if it had been set up differently in a contract he wouldn't be leaving Okay, yeah, I know a lot of you have heard the interview. We're just dropping in two very uh, succinct clips here just to give you a little bit of the flavour of comments that we think sparked a lot of the uh, reaction from some of the national media and sparked a lot of chatter as well. When you look at your contract and you had that six-month clause, yeah, do you have some regrets about that in terms of the fact that you had to tell everyone that you were going six months into the season? I have regrets that it wasn't taken out. Um, I, well, I had a frustration. I wasn't taken out. It's it's one of the it's one of the um, the things that is. And you know, me and Rosie talked about this. Me and Mark Hanscom talked about this. Me and Joe Schmidt talked about this. Uh, Rob Penny. Um, it was one of the reasons that held me up signing. I wasn't comfortable or happy with it at the very beginning because they give you my contract was two plus one. I wanted three, but they wanted an option because they wanted. That's fair enough. They wanted to test is Pat Lamb any good, you know. And that's the the fundamental problem. And he and then I so I rang Joe and Rob and, and Mark at the time uh, who were up here. I said, "No, oh, what's going on?" Because Joe was Leinster, and he said, "Look, Pat, it's, it actually we're all. Have you guys all got this? Yeah, so we've all got this." But he said, "Look, at the end of the day, it works in your favour because if if um, you have to be extremely bad and you got to back yourself, and I know you're not a bad person for them to let you go, but if um, if it doesn't work out for you, you can always leave." And I thought, Jesus, this is so bizarre. And then, anyway, so that was a two. I accepted that, and then I did my two years. Um, and then there was the the option. Of course, we we're loving it here, and, I, and we hadn't finished the job, so that rolled over. And instead of the one year, they offered me another. Initially, they offered me two plus one, and I was annoyed with that too. I said, Well, why you got a plus one in there? Because you know what I am, you know. So I almost didn't sign it because of that. And and um, then they they put in. Um, and then they they made it. Um, we made it a three-year deal. Um, and then I saw the clause. I said, well, "Why is the clause there?" And uh, in the end, it ended up being well, might as well just be a two-year deal. And um, they wouldn't take the clause out. And uh, again, uh, I was like, you know, um, and, and uh, I'm not I'm not pointing the finger at anyone. What I'm saying is, there are a few need to understand when you have a clause like that because the reason why I felt strongly about it because we used to have the New Zealand rugby union and I was part of the coaches with Dave Rennie and Todd Blacker and the guys we all fought hard and now that we want that out of everyone because you either back us or you don't and what it does it gives it doesn't the selection panel of the coach it gives them instead of doing all the homework and making sure they got the right person it gives a little out to say, oh, well, we'll give this person a go and see, because we always got this out to get rid of the person. Um, and I just think if you take that out, do your homework. If you got the right person, back it and do everything you can. So I think it's some, that's one area that needs to change, because otherwise you'll lose coaches. And and then obviously in that time, Matt o, they used it to get rid of Matt O'Connor, and they used it to get rid of um, uh, Mark Enskim. So it, again, just highlights. And then, of course, Claudia Rennie. In the area shows another example. You win it, you're gone. Um, so, as it turned out, if they if they had listened to me, um, I wouldn't be gone because I wouldn't break a contract. Right? But the, they put it in there and they left it there. So, and the problem is, all the other all the other clubs know that the Irish coaches have this in their contract. So, guess what happens? 
November, December, every year, people start offering contracts, and they know that you have a clause mm. that you can you can get out of it. And I know, you know, there's no doubt the, um, you know, Razzie and Leo, Lancaster and um, Les, they've all, they, everyone worldwide knows they have that sitting in their contract. So my advice would be, if you back your coaches, particularly second term, I, I could understand first term, but second term they should have taken, taken that out. What effect do you think it did have on the players this season? Oh, it's not ideal. Without a doubt it had an effect. I, mean, I could see it. I could see it. I could see it with staff too. Um, but, you know, the main thing all I could control is to make sure that it made, it made me more determined to get it, take every single box, cover everything off. But there's no doubt players start thinking, OK, uh, it's just human nature. But I'll tell you what I think, think affected most was, uh, was some staff. You know, I think staff, um, you know, they realised, OK, well, Pat's not going to be here next year. And I always say this, and I'm not going to mention names, but I always say this, there's people who do their jobs and there's people who keep their jobs. You know, and that's always the danger. And uh, but I also think it's a positive because when I, I learned all this at the Blues from the year 2011, you know, when I always say good times never change a character, and uh, think pe- everything stays the same when things are going well. Uh, it's when the tough times that's when you get a chance to grow, and that's where you find out a lot of things. And in my last year, I saw particularly management. I saw management uh, keeping their jobs and people doing their jobs, and I've seen it this year too. So, uh, uh, which is fine, you know, like all I can do is, as I said, right, I introduce true success here that you get a peace of mind and uh, it comes from inner satisfaction knowing you did the best you can. And uh, I always say at the end of the day, while we're in a team sport, all you can do is make sure you're doing that. And uh, um, what goes around will certainly come around. All right, there it is, Pat Lamb. And I think what William was saying before we got that clip was that he felt the need to explain it, but as well as that, he was conflicted by it. And and what we realised in the press conference in December was how conflicted and troubled by it was. And and he was a bit muddled in some of the things he was saying in that press conference at that time, or he went back over himself a little bit. Whereas here now, Lindley, it was, it was much more clear, much more concise, really, really taught through. And you feel... You can understand why he felt the need to just get back over this one more time. And, and maybe at this stage, he's probably not as conflicted by it in terms of he's accepted it, but he still wants to make sure that history shows this was not a straightforward situation. Yeah, well, I think at the time when he made the decision to go to Bristol that he probably was not in the position to explain his contract. Now, that had actually come up at a couple of press conferences when someone had suggested to him about going somewhere else. And he said... Uh, yes, and Willie Ruan immediately said no. So there was always a shadow hanging over this this position of the contract, which nobody really knew about. So I think it was a... Personally, I thought it was a good clarification to make because no-one did realise or understand much about the six-month release clause. Mm -hmm. For Pat Lamb, you know, I think the way he explained it, and it made a very logical sense... He had asked for a two-year contract. He was given a two-year contract. This is after his original contract. So he was given a two-year contract, but the six-month release clause was still in it, and it was something that he said he had opposed right from the the word go. Now, the other thing about the six-month release clause, as Pat Lamb explained, is that everybody... Apparently, everyone in the IRFU has this clause, coaches, and that mostly 
clubs within Europe know that this clause is available. So he says that every year they can come knocking on Pat Lamb's door or whether it was Joe Schmidt or whether it was Les Kiss or whoever and they know that they can get out of their contract. And obviously if you're going to offer huge amounts of money you know, whether Pat Lamb... And we know that Pat Lamb was conflicted about leaving and we certainly know that his wife Steph did not want to leave. I mean, I think, you know, I think it was mentioned before that she was the first and only person who went over to Bristol to actually interview them because she was so concerned about what she was leaving over here to go over there. So I think it was a good clarification. The RFU might not be happy about him having to say that, but he obviously couldn't say it at the time when it was first announced that he was leaving. I think the issue is this. He felt that it was okay the first contract for a release clause to be available to Pat Lamb or the IRFU. They could turn around and say, thanks, Pat, this isn't working out. When he re-signed, he wanted it to be a straight contract with no release clause. He feels that the IRFU are not... By doing this, they're not giving 100% backing to the coach. They're basically saying, you're doing great, but we still want a way out with you. It works both ways. If you give the coach that opportunity, he's going to be approached. He explained that. And the IRFU might say, well, we want that option. And this time it hasn't worked. Because I don't. if he'd had to break the contract, which means if there'd been no release clause, and he went in and said, I'm going to Bristol, he would have had to break his contract. And I think he says in the interview straight out, I would not break a contract. Is, so it's not breaking a contract if you engage a release clause. It's because it's part of the contract. Yes. It's part of the contract. It's been negotiated. You've signed it. Your employer has signed it. It's done so within the terms of the contract. It's absolutely within the terms of the contract. And he points out that they tried to get rid of it in New Zealand rugby. I think himself, Dave Rennie, other people were involved in it because they felt the same way. It's a, it's a case of they're saying, look, back me. Don't three quarters back me or 60% back me but it's it's given you a backslide but if the backslide comes from the employer side it also is going to be there for the coach if he's given a better option to enforce it Alan I'm going to go to you on this then because even getting the questions right is difficult here Irfew then have decided they're not 100% backing them they're not saying we're giving you this contract to 2018 no matter what, you're our guy. And then we'll see where we are in 2018. That's what he wanted. They've introduced a clause that he felt meant that if someone approached him, he had to ha- factor in the six-month clause, which could go against him as much as it could go for him. The only question some fans will ask is, you know, if it's a security issue in terms of I didn't feel secure in this contract, a lot of fans will justifiably scratch their head because he had a job for life based on winning a Pro 12 title. If it's a, if it's a trust and a backing issue, then people, you know, then it's, it's straightforward enough. People will say, well, yeah, OK, fair enough. He looked at Bristol and he said, well, these guys are backing me and the other guys didn't when I asked them to. So on the no, security no, point... No, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that. I, <laughs> Bristol offered him so much money you couldn't refuse it. I don't think anyone could refuse it in, in that scenario. Um, you know, like he, he he had a contract here. There was that clause in there. Um, his contract was running till 2018, and he had a, he had an ability to get out of it if someone approached him. And the RFU left that in there because they've been burnt badly in the past. Like you have, people have to remember, back in the 90s, we had some coaches. The RFU went through a number of coaches and had to hand out golden handshakes to people because they'd sign him up. Who was it? Was the six-year one? Was that the English guy? The English got a six-year? Guy. Who was the English guy? Uh, Brian, Ashton. Brian, Ashton. Brian Ashton. Like he, they paid him a fortune. And so they, they've, you know, they had their fingers burnt before, and they didn't want to get it burnt again. I would agree with Pat because he went, 
and proved what he could do. Before Pat Lamb came in, you know, we had no rights. Our, our stats show that we weren't up to the level of everybody else. Under Pat Lamb, they've come up more or less to the level of everybody else, apart from this season. Um, so, you know, they, they, needed to, they needed to trust them. Can I ask you then, just to clarify, you're saying... Do you, so there's that six month clause in there, and and then the money became the the thing like that kind of security for his family long term, as he said himself. Uh, the opportunity, look, this is part of the contract. This is the offers on the table. How could I refuse this? But like, no one should be in any doubt that Pat Lam isn't saying. You don't think Pat Lam is saying? Listen, the RFU didn't give me the kind of guarantee secure for my family. That maybe got lost in the things. People wondered if it was a case that I'm not secure in this no, job. I could no. get sacked at any point. He wasn't worried about being sacked at any point by by Carl. No, he went to Pro Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> So, sack him. Like he's never said it. Yeah, just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, so it wasn't I, I, about. I, I, I I'm not, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. It wasn't yeah, about yeah, him he, not being secure in the job. It was about this was in there. He told him they shouldn't be in there. He wanted that kind of backing, and it, because it was in there, when someone comes in with such an offer, of course he was going to take it. Yeah, and he, like he, he refers to Ranieri, I think in the in the thing as well that like he was sacked and whatever. But that's slightly different. That's soccer. This is you know rugby. I know is heading towards that direction. And it's pretty sad. Did he to refer see. to that? And that's like that's my point really. I'm scratching my head when he does that because I don't think that's a factor at all. The possibility of him losing his job here. I don't think could even justify saying that. I don't think it was about losing his job here. I think Pat Lamb knew, and like all coaches, that there is there is a, a you know a time frame um, to operate in, and that eventually all coaches move on. I think he he would have he would have he had he had the the contract without the release clause, he would have been here next year, and then he would have moved on. He would have been looking to move on because I think he accepts himself that. You know, most coaches have a lifespan at a certain club. So I don't think, think there's an issue with that. I think it's just the fact that coming as it did, having won the Pro 12, it's, it's, it, it follows having had the most successful season Connacht have ever had, the won the Pro 12, and then within six months, this coach who has brought so much to the province and who has brought the success for the first time ever is now leaving. And I think that is the issue. Had he been able to stay this season, and obviously... You know, chatting to him about it, of course it affected. It affected the players. I mean, you've got a coach, all your systems, everything, you work towards what that coach demands from you. And if he's not going to be there next season, you've got you can slide for a few six months, you know, especially if your contract runs for another year. And psychologically, of course it's going to affect the players. And I think that this is part of the issue this season with that six months clause, and we're seeing I think some of the result of it. Maybe the bottom line is this. Bristol mightn't have even approached him Correct. if they didn't. If they thought they'd have to get into, and they knew about it. They approached yes. him at the exact right time, and they put the pressure on at the right time. And he's also said in previous press conferences that every November, Irish coaches are all approached by different teams from everywhere because they all know this is built into the contract. Contract, as far as I know, runs first of June, thirty-first of May. So they know this is is there. And Bristol might have said, Pat Lamb, well, he's in contract. We're not because they would have had to deal with contract negotiations, trying to buy him out. That's messy. That's complicated. And Bristol wanted to make a fast decision when Andy Robson, Robinson was suspended. So he was the ideal man because they knew an Irish coach could be got out of his contract with no issue. As in, it's clean. It's a legal scenario. And it did. Have, it, the point is, it did affect the team's performance. It would affect any performance. But it's the way the IRFU set the contracts up. They're obviously happy with it. I agree with Alan. They've had issues in the past. But you would think by 2017 they wouldn't be worrying about stuff that was going on in the 1990s. It's a, diff- it's a, different, it's a different age now. Is this whole table agreed, like most people in Connacht, that Pat Lamb leaving 
very little negativity towards Pat Lamb's decision in the end based on all things that were on the table. Is that, it? Is that the consensus? Because I think the consensus around the province I see between two different groups of people, sporting people and rugby people, is the same. It's, it's, he's, he's a Jack Charlton-esque figure, if I can say that, and let's not analyse Jack Charlton too much, but he was that kind of figure for our province, and both see positives. The rugby people might analyse him a little bit more and say maybe things with Dave Ellis and Andre Belgo and things weren't going as well, and he would have had to kind of figure that out. But a lot of people will say that he probably would have been capable of doing that. But even this season, in the league, we won more games than we'd ever won before he arrived. And that's when things were going wrong with Bell and Ellis leaving and all that. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, you know, some of the national press would talk about this like it's very fractious, whereas people in Connacht go, yeah, look, the contract was an issue and we understand why Lamb left. Well, they're people in Dublin and they're not people in Connacht. Yeah. And their agendas are, are rarely overlap really with ours, do they? Well, you know, some of those people probably haven't have maybe only been down to Connacht once this season. Some of these people may never have actually interviewed Pat Lamb or Dave Ellis or Andre Bell or, you know, John Muldoon recently. So I think it's, it's you know, everyone's entitled to an opinion. They can all look from wherever they are in the world, whether it's they're in Bristol or they're in Ulster or whether they're in Dublin, and, and make comments on it. The bot- the, I, I think the bottom line is is that, and I think Pat Lamb has explained it, that had he not had a six-month contract, he would still be, a six-month release clause, he would still be here. Yeah. And I think that's and the I bottom don't line. Think anyone at this table, and almost anyone in rugby circles in Connacht with any sort of insight, that will disagree with that at this stage. No, and, I, and this interview has helped explain that. Well, I th- and I and I when he said he w- when he said in the interview that he would still be here, I I yeah. I, I believe him. Yeah, and I think I believe him if I can be critical of myself more than I would have at Christmas last year. I think it's yes, worked on me. Yes, because when he first announced his departure to Bristol, he wasn't maybe pr- he wasn't maybe comfortable uh, trying to explain his contract arrangements. That's the only thing I can assume. Yeah, he overspoke in that press conference in December, in my opinion, William, and maybe you can speak to this, in the terms of he was trying to explain that it wasn't about the money and what he was probably really getting at it was it was about the technicalities of the contracts. Um, but he talked about his family and security then, which really confused people, and rightly so, people pointed out, you can't talk about protecting your family and say it's not about the money. Obviously, it's good reason to spend money on your family. So that, was, that there were many people, including myself, went, ah, that's, I, like, that's a bit of a muddle, what you're saying there. But I think, I think this interview that you guys have done with him, for me personally, has tidied everything up and I think it, the picture is quite clear on why Pat Lamb. Well, I think he's had six months further to think about it. Yeah. It was pretty obvious in December. He was, he was conflicted about the decision because he liked it here and he was liked here and he was respected for what he did but he was also respected for the efforts he made. Um, and you know, John Muldoon spoke about that in his interview, where he, Pat, would say, "Right, we're going to School X this week," and I want everybody. And John Muldoon said people were quite happy to get on the bus because they realised that this wasn't being done as a token gesture. They were expected to turn up to these type of events and to engage with local people, and that has given rugby a totally different profile in this province. And then Brendan Fanny writes in The Independent a scathing article uh, based on this interview that Lindy and William did entirely. So her own interview is forming the, uh, the uh, what's the word for it, the, 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 found, the foundation and, and the narrative for Brendan's writing up in Dublin. And 
he is absolutely skating, in particular of Lamb using references to Foley and his secure life. Had a dig at him to say, why don't you just get a life assurance policy? A lot of other comments as well. Finishes off with a bit of Osgrelga too, which is kind of a dig at Pat Lamb trying to promote the Irish language. That is so out of touch with the narrative that we see here on the ground. It's like someone arguing, it's like me sitting here arguing with you about, I don't know, the Dallas Cowboys getting rid of their coach and saying it's a bloody disgrace, he's let down the people, while all of Dallas is sitting there going, no, we're happy. Who is this guy from Galway trying to talk about us? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen... I'm from Mayo, by the way. <laughs> I, haven't seen Brendan, uh, I haven't seen Brendan in the sports channel all that often, and I'm not sure who he, who he was speaking to or who, who helped him form his opinion mm. with regard to you know the feeling that was going on down here, because certainly people are very disappointed. Pat's leaving, OK, it's been a difficult season, but the reality is Pat won us a championship and had us playing winning more games than we'd ever won before. Had had us playing rugby that we'd never seen before, and had has people coming to the sports ground, sellouts all the way through. The last four games in the season were sold out, even though we weren't having a great season. Because it's not just about winning; it's about playing the game, playing the game properly. It's about, as William was saying, getting out into the community. Like flying back and landing in Knock was fantastic after coming back from Edinburgh because it showed that you know Connacht has its own area and it's a, its own right to existence. And that's and why I need spe- to, to, to depend on Dublin for everything. That's why I speak about two groups, rugby community and the wider sporting community, like never before. The wider sporting community were never relevant in their conversations about Connacht Rugby because we couldn't reach them. He's helped us reach them. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's something that, that you know, we can be proud of and, and, and shows Connacht people that, yeah, if you get down, go through the processes, get all the right processes, <laughs> stick with them, work hard at things, that's how you win. That's, that's, how, that's how you get into winning mentality, by doing things correctly and, and believing in what you're doing and having total faith in your teammates and everybody around you to get a job done and the organisation. And the whole thing is, is you know, you look where, where, you know, Connacht has been slowly and slowly developing for years and years and he just kick-started it into, you know, super drive that that's, it's there for people to come and play and enjoy themselves and play great rugby and for fans to, to enjoy it as well. I reached out to Brendan Fanning uh, for this podcast. We couldn't get him, but if you hopefully you may be able to get him again sometime to explain a little bit more. But the one thing I will say, William, and I know you're going to bite back at me at this, but I'll just put it out there. Pat Lamb does talk so much sometimes when around the topic that he can over-explain and it can lead you to really feel, and leads me to feel, that he really tries too hard to control the narrative. He doesn't like to leave much room for interpretation on his story or elaboration. It's got to be, I'm telling the entire tale and that's it and that's the way it is. And I think that might be part of what Brendan's back up in the article. And some of some of the general kind of sense of, ah, Pat, stop trying to tell us every detail that he was saying. I, I kind of understand that bit. I don't, just to put a balance in here, we're not saying he's the most perfect guy in the world. And that, that little bit of narrative control did frustrate me. Ironically enough, though, as he leaves, his narrative control helped explain his own situation to me as well. Like. But you know what I'm saying then? Yeah, well, I think... I think coaches and sports people come in two groups. There's either the ones like Pat who will give you a very detailed and long explanation, or there are people that give you one sentence. And I'm just, not looking for that. <laughs> well, that, that's that's the other side of it. Yeah. Uh, you know the the Jose Mourinho thing. Uh, yes, no, maybe, possibly, and so it's it's a two way street. There is a bit in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was a very long and detailed interview, but he did save it up for two local journalists and he did say right through I will when the season is over he could have done that interview in March and said hold it until the end of the season but he wanted the season to end they wanted to win in Northampton mm. looking back it's another game that yeah they probably could have won it and then yeah, some, as he starts your interview he says I finished, like, what was your first thoughts oh, why didn't we get the penalty there <laughs> yeah and he's right and the other issue was um, 
you know, Northampton then scraped past Stade Francais and, and they're in Europe. And I'm, you know, if you sat there and said, who's the better team, Northampton or Connacht? Well, it's a toss of a coin. Stade Francais were played for 60 minutes and then fell asleep or ran out of steam. It was, so it, it, those are small things that frustrate. So the, the season didn't end on a particular high, but that's what that's where we got to. And just back up with what Alan said, I mean, rugby's a minority game in Connacht. And let's be honest about it, in the past, it's a game that sometimes has tried to, has been very insular. It's the way it's operated. There's, nobody's ever really gone out to push it to a, a wider populace because maybe they felt, well, there's no point because we're just going to run into a brick wall. But he didn't, Pat didn't seem to see that, which I, I find fascinating because I'll, I'll almost guarantee you if he asked somebody, they'd have said, ah, well, you know, it's you know go, go the first thing is 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 Connacht Galway yeah 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 uh, where are you going to Mayo well there's well, a couple go to Westport then but don't necessarily bother with Ballon Road for example that kind of stuff that, those that, kind of comments that's the whole thing but he yeah. saw past that very quickly I so mean, his visit to Ballon Road William there's still cafes and po- posters up in cafes jerseys they still talk about it it was three years ago it was July and it left such an impact and I just think the Brendan Fannings of this world when you see his passion for how ang- like angry at the end that article is that Pat Lamb is leaving like he's kind of like with well, good riddance but he's like a jilted you know jilted lover really in terms of like you haven't got over this relationship yet but it has us scratching our head because we're like that doesn't represent anyone over here and why why is Brendan so passionate about it like? I'm not really interested actually I have to say in, in yeah, at this yeah. stage in, in Brendan's <laughs> um, you know he's entitled to his opinion I think that the most important thing is is is, is the legacy you're just talking here about about Pat Lamb and Connor is the legacy that he left for Connor Rugby and that he actually put Connor back into rugby in the province. He put the whole province, the name Connor, back into it. And I think that was one of the most valuable things he ever did. And what it also did is it dovetails very well with the efforts that the Connor branch is making towards expanding rugby. Um, throughout the province, through its development offices, through Eric now coming in, although he's coming into the academy, but when he came in, the people going out to, to develop it. Look, you only have to look at the school's cup. I mean, it's, it's, it has absolutely grown so much in the last few years than what it used to be with the development cups and the smaller schools coming in. So I think Pat was like, you know, showed in many ways what these children and what these people could aspire to and by going out there and it's dovetailing nicely I think with what the Connaught branch the efforts the Connaught branch is making to make rugby more more um appealing to the entire province. I'm still worked up about this because you're going here here, right? Like like what how can you say you're not interested like Lindley because she's so, such grace in the way she says it, I can see why she says it. But why are you saying you're not interested in an article that's shaping opinions, that's shaping the type of situations where the IRFU sign our contracts? Because, because, How can you say you're not interested in having it's, a Because it's not it's not shaping the opinions in Connacht. It's one guy sitting in Dublin and it's But these you know, opinions are important because it's the IRFU no, no, who he's, he's, he's like a, a journalist. He's just a guy who who makes an opinion. He's not necessarily changing the opinion of the guy who's in the IRFU. Now if he was he, he, he could well be voicing some of their opinions. I was gonna say if he's talking on behalf of him, that's 
a different matter. But that's but why this article is important. And that's well, why we that's know. why it's important. We, we, no, but, no, we don't know. We can't say that. Brendan isn't, isn't available or wasn't available for this. So we can't, we can't make a comment on that. No, no, but what I'm saying is it's important that we discuss it because we're the centre of the narrative here. Like, I think it's important that it's discussed because a lot of people have this attitude in Mayo as well. Stop talking about Joe Rawley's of this world and all this kind of stuff. To a degree, that's right. But these guys have power. They have voice. They have a, a way of shaping the narrative that is so far off the... But don't, they're reflecting the narrative. They're not necessarily shaping the narrative. But what narrative is he reflecting? A lot of people in Leinster and Munster who really don't care about it. They see last year as being a complete and utter blip and we are where, we, where we've always been and nothing's changed and that's crap because the stats prove that things have changed. The fact we have five guys over on the development tour, that's, that, you know, the last time that happened was when Keatley and Keatley and that lot were there over in America. But that's years and years and years ago, and they all left. These guys don't have to leave. People are looking for big signings this season. We've had our big signings. Alden Deland signed this season. Bundy Aki signed this season. Tom McCartney signed this season. Christ almighty, how much bigger signing do you need? And the notion that we'd be saying good riddance to a guy who helped all this happen is laughable. Absolutely. Which is my point, which is why we need to discuss it. William, <laughs> <laughs> on the same page and you're giving out to me for discussing it William yeah look you have to look at it because uh, it was a sort of a, an article that came a bit out of left field it just, yeah. and it doesn't fit what we know so I mean that's why we have to, to talk yeah. back against it what I to talk just to wrap, to, wrap, to, to wrap up maybe <laughs> on this thing about what, what, what Pat achieved, I think he almost brought a certain level of naivety to what he did in regards to the community thing. He just said, right, we're going to try this and we're going to see how it goes. And even if he people saying, oh, I don't know about this now, I don't know about getting on a bus on a Tuesday and going to a school up. We'll try it and see what happens. We'll see if it works. I think it'll work, so we're going to do it. Yeah. And that's sometimes that's what you need. You just need a can-do Attitude, rather than actually trying to analyse and break it down into how it'll work, you just go and see what happens, and that rolled on. And yeah, there there is development of rugby here. It's it's a long way to go. It's a constant battle, um, but he has been a central part of that. Rugby is now part of the discussion, whereas before it was part of the discussion, but it was a more limited number of people were talking about it. Yeah, you're looking at... I, I, I think he would have insisted on doing it. It happens in New Zealand. I'm sure Lindy backed me up on this. They, it is a huge part of the community. There was a really good interview done on one of the podcasts that I'm listening to with the Lions Tour. And they talk about, you know, the, the All Blacks still go back down to their local clubs. And they're, they are, you know, it's, it's seen as this is the way it works. You, you, you're not, you don't go off into the distance and go and live in Auckland or wherever the hell they live and, and they don't go back to their clubs. They're all brought back that it's important to stick to your roots. The grassroots, the green shirts seems like a very sort of blasé thing but I think it's, I think there's a real, a real element to it and he enforced it and then the guys realised hang on when I was a kid having someone like this come to the ground would have been amazing and now they're doing it and they're seeing that it does work kids are so impressionable that you know, when you get a chance to see someone you know who's out there wearing a jersey, playing in the sports ground with eight, nine thousand people cheering them on, and then they're back in their little school, of course it's going to be a huge well, thing. We forget as Aldis uh, that like the likes of Tiernan and Halloran is only ten years out of being that kid. You know what I mean? Like so, there's exactly. that element to it. As well. Yeah, the connection there. There is a connection. They do remember where they came from, and it's really important that you keep those roots. That's what that's what keeps everything solid. That's you know, it's one of the, the things you need to happen, and it's one of the things the GAA do brilliantly. You know? and, and in New Zealand, Lily, because you can see in comparison very clearly the GA is rugby it's, it's, it's grassroots, it's every, every field that you can get a post up in it is, but I also I also think possibly in, 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 New, in New Zealand as well, you kind of have 
it's a it's a, an outdoorsy nation where, and it's a small nation where, and and it is similar here. We all get behind the Irish soccer team, in the same way mm. is that you know not just the GEA. I think it's it reflects people's passion for their actual their country. Mm. So whether it's the Silver Ferns playing netball, or whether it's the it's the Black Caps playing cricket at Lords, <laughs> then then the whole country will will get will get behind them. And I think that does happen here. I mean, we all get behind Ireland no matter what we're playing. But what I think Pat Lamb probably has done is maybe broken down a few barriers out in those out in those GEA areas to say, well, actually, you know, what he achieved is reflective of where they live and that they can be proud Mm. Of that they are from Connacht. I was always the rugby guy in my town in Mayo, but now there are rugby people all over my town. There was always rugby people in the town, but certainly I was always the Connacht guy. You know, so you might have been a Ballon rugby guy, but I was the Connacht guy. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I think it doesn't matter whether you're a GA fan or a rugby fan. The success that Connacht, that Connacht have achieved under Pat Lamb, people with from GEA are immense most people let's face it most people who enjoy GEA enjoy all sport yeah. uh, you know and I think they can they take immense pride in the fact that Connacht bet Munster bet Leinster yeah. bet Ulster bet the rest of the Pro 12 and they take immense pride that Connacht actually have achieved yeah okay I think we're, we're pretty much there alright that's, that's it I think we've got to the final word and looking at the lads around there uh, I think we've, we've managed Lindley certainly feels like you've kind of summed it up I think you do too Alan final word we're getting ready for Kieran King. We haven't mentioned him, but we'll mention him in the coming months a lot. And I think we won't have to mention the Pat Lamb era too much, uh, as opposed to you know trying to figure it out. We'll, we'll just mention it from the point of view of what it's done to feed into what's coming. Yeah, like it's, there's, there's a real foundation there of players. This is the first season that we, you know, apart from John Cooney, we haven't lost, you know, front, you know, top line front players. And so Kieran Keane's coming into a squad that's got a lot of the core of the championship winning team. Some new guys coming in recently. You know, Peter McCabe signed the other day, and uh, that young scrum half from Sale. Can't remember his name. Just dripped out of my head. Yeah. Um, so we have younger guys coming in, which and Kieran Kane is this is what he does he takes teams and he makes them better with, with, with the people he's got so I think he's got a really solid foundation to kick us on yeah absolutely it's uh, it's hardly a, the off season there were six internationals on television last Saturday and I watched all of them um, and there'll be another six this Saturday so you got up to watch Australia Fiji I got the second half. Of it, yes. Well, I wanted to see how the, I got up specifically to see how the Conic Man, uh, Leah Daiwai, was doing. He got a bit of a YouTube over it. He did. He did. Um, Good so, tackle, folks. If you want to look it up. Yeah, it's worth, it's worth seeing. Um, it, it, it never really stops. I mean, the, by the time the Lions tour finishes, the players will be back next week. There's players back this week because uh, you see lots of things on Twitter. Some of their retired colleagues. Uh, I think it was Adam Jones, the Welsh prop back for his 17th pre-season and somebody sent him a really nice tweet yesterday of a big pint of beer and his feet up on the table and said, how's pre-season going? Um, so it, it never stops. And uh, yeah, look, the Kieran Kane era has now begun, really. And we just, I can't wait to see what's the cut of his jib. What's he like? We're going to go away for a few weeks and all study that it's how to say his name. Agree on one and we'll K-K. just go with KK. KK. <laughs> yeah, right. That'll cover the Kane Keane issue. 
Well, I'm not sure if we can call him um, KK to his face, but maybe it's Kieran or Kieran. We'll ask him when he comes. And <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe, we'll, maybe, he tries for Kieran Kane straight away. <laughs> maybe maybe it's Mr. Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward press conference moments. Yeah, I think we've covered it. I think we will. I think, I think you know. We all I just want to say I, just, I didn't get to do the interview with William and, and Lenny. I just like to thank Pat Lamb for you know the last four years, which were pretty amazing being a Connacht fan. And of course, along with the end of the Pat Lamb era, as many people have also left in that management structure. Yeah, that Dave Ellis was there in the boot helping the Blues. That's right, Andre Ball. You have Louise, our media manager for the last three, three years, four seasons under Pat Lamb. Conor McPhillips, huge, huge um, Connacht had such involvement with Connacht as a player and as management and as a, a video analyst. Um, so it is it is all change and you know change is good and change is challenging. Yeah, best of luck to Louise in particular because we deal with that side of things obviously and she made her life really really easy and really embraced the whole podcast as well and, and, and made us feel part of a, as new media part of what, what uh, Connacht do for their media relations so big thanks to that and hopefully that continues and uh, Paul Bunce as well course yeah there for many years and best of luck to him William any final thoughts we've got anyone we'll have another podcast in a month's time where we'll be kind of starting the start of the season yeah I think when when Ireland's tour is over and the Lions have played it maybe a test match or two it'll just be interesting to see where I mean the Connick lads did well against America last Saturday but tougher test coming but just being to see how they're fitting in because there's no doubt about it the squads in rugby are just getting bigger and bigger people are laughing where the Lions have 40 they need them and Ireland will be bringing a massive squad to the World Cup in two years so the space is there for, for players uh, and it's it's good to see them seizing their opportunity last Saturday night against America but they have to keep on with that so we'll be back in a month to talk about it and then the first team over here is Pat Lance Bristol just to uh, tie it all uh, nicely during the pre-season so uh, I think what might have some people in Dublin scratching their heads is I think Connacht people would love to see Bristol get promoted and do well and uh, we wish them well that's it thanks folks